Welcome to the No More Late Feast podcast. I'm Jackie. And I'm Danielle, and we're just two best friends and ex-Blockbuster employees re-watching some of the best and worst movies from the late 90s and early 2000s. This week, we are talking about the 1998 film Pleasantville with our wonderful guest, Leah. Welcome, Hi. Leah. <laughs> if you want to get to know Leah a little bit better, hit pause and go check out their trailer. But before we dive in, let's get into some housekeeping. I think that sounded okay. Who knows? <laughs> we're, we're never going to get it right. If you love the podcast and you want to support us, here's a few ways that you can. Did you know writing a review and or rating us helps us get more listeners? So if you want to be featured and help us grow, ha- head to your favorite podcasting platform and leave us a review. But Apple uh, Podcast Preferred, because then we get uh, a spotlight. Please and thank you. And don't forget to hit subscribe when you go to said platform and make sure that you get notifications when a new episode is live. And do you want to be exclusive in the No More Late Fees podcast world? Head over to patreon.com slash no more late fees, sign up to be a bestie, and you'll get all the exclusive content, receive stickers, access to lives, and our burn Ot Spotify playlist. And I will just send you a message and say, we go together now. <laughs> just saying. Let's hop into the movie. <laughs> so impressed by high school student David's devotion to a 1950s family TV show, a mysterious television repairman provides him with a means to escape into the black and white program with his sister, Jennifer. While David initially takes to... <laughs> Why do you say Jennifer like that? I don't know. <laughs> While David initially takes to the simplistic, corny world of the show, Jennifer sets about about jolting the characters with doses of reality that unexpectedly bring a little bit of color into a very drab existence. The movie stars Tobey Maguire, Reese Witherspoon, Jeff Daniels, Joan Allen, William H. Macy, J.T. Walsh, Walsh, and Don Knotts. The movie was written and directed by Gary Ross, And you can watch it currently. I think you can rent it on Amazon or Apple. It was not streaming, which is crazy because like I want to say a few months back when we were doing the schedule, I it was on it was on HBO. But you know how they be bopping and dropping. I don't know where they go. (laughs) (laughs) But before we start, let's get into our ratings rewind. So you know the drill. Before we get into the movie, we'll reveal the rating our Y2K versions of ourselves would give. Then at the end, we'll see if our current selves agree with our initial rating. Our scale consists of would buy it, would buy it again. The best would play on repeat. Five-day rental. Would watch again. Two-day rental. Eh, okay, but nothing to write home about. Same-day rental. Just burn it up. It's trash. (laughs) (laughs) Leah, we're going to start with you. What was your Y2K rating of Pleasantville? Oh my gosh. What, what, wait, can you tell me the best one again? What was the best one? Would buy, would buy it again. Mm-hmm, that's it. I <laughs> was. I watched this movie over and over and over again. I was. The reason I watched it is because I loved Reese Witherspoon. I knew nothing about it. I was just like, oh my gosh, I love this girl. I need to see all of her movies. So I got it at Blockbuster typical Leah behavior and (laughs) I 
loved it loved it loved it definitely asked my mom or dad to buy it but I definitely I still have the DVD and I watched it over and over again and for me like at that young age it was like mind-blowing like and watching it as an adult I was kind of like okay I get why like some people have criticisms of this movie because like some of it is really heavy-handed and like the metaphors and stuff but I still think it's so good like I really think it holds up but at at the time I mean I was just like this movie is so amazing (laughs) like how are they doing this with the color and 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 now I know that they it was like one of the the most expensive special effects films at the time because that was you you didn't see that you didn't see like a burst of red in the middle of you know a black and white I mean except for Schindler's List but that was only like the one color and the one you know little girl this was so many different like colors popping out and everything I was mind blown so yeah it was definitely a a must buy for me yeah and it I think it held up as being the most having like the most technic technical I don't know what the words are, but I don't know about ex- it, if it was the most expensive, the but it, the effects, I think it kept like the record for that until Star Wars Phantom Menace. Yep, that's right. So just to think about this is a drama, not an mm-hmm. action movie. And it had that that much work that had to go into and into it. For me, it was a would buy it. I had it on VHS. I have to look. I don't know when I... I think I gave away my VHS, so I don't know when, if I ever switched to DVD, but I know I did buy it at the time. Jackie? So, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Uh, I I remember watching it exactly once and Mm. then never watching it again. So I don't know if maybe the themes just didn't resonate with me. It's cinematically it is a beautiful movie like I could not right. take my eyes off of it maybe because I wasn't a huge fan of Tobey Maguire and I yeah. did like Reese Witherspoon but now I have such an imp- like an infatuation with Joan Allen that I was like <laughs> just give me more like I want a whole movie about Betty yeah <laughs> she deserved uh, an Oscar honestly uh, yeah, it was so good. So I'll say two day rental because I watched it, but obviously Y two K Jackie, it did not leave an impression. Yeah, and also you never really I don't know if you liked like stuff from the fifties and sixties like that. Yeah. Yeah. I myself was obsessed because my my favorite Disney park was MGM. So Hollywood Studios and when you go to Universal, like the idea my mom would, and she would look at me like I was crazy, but I'm like, bitch, this is your fault. Who's making me watch Gidget? Who's making me watch Tammy and the Bachelor? I'm living in this weird lifestyle. This little black girl is obsessed with the 50s and 60s where a girl wouldn't have been able to get them all. You know what I'm saying? But Leah, I digress. You, Danielle thought that Happy Days like aired in real time when we were growing up Richie Cunningham was my boo I was in love and I thought we were going to be together and then my mom (laughs) burst my bubble and when I found out that Lucille Ball was dead devastated because I'm like watching I love Lucy every day like what do you mean she's dead she's right there right there (laughs) oh oh no that's so sad I that's my bitch right there I love her (laughs) R.I.P. baby 
let's let's dive in. So this movie had a budget of sixty million dollars. Are we surprised after we learned all these effects that they had to go through? No. But it only made $49.8 million. It earned about $8.9 million during its opening weekend. But ultimately, it would only earn to up to $49.8. And it was considered a box office flop. Despite the fact that it had massive critical success. Even but I want to know what it was up against to not get... But it's also a drama. And I feel like this is Oscar bait. You know? Like... I couldn't it did get nominated for some Oscars but I don't I think it there must have been some heavy contenders at the time because it wasn't like one of the big big ones at the Academy Awards they got three noms one for best art direction best costume design and best original score so none of the actors got award nominations for it so yeah I can't believe they didn't do something for Joan Allen I mean I feel like I feel like it would have made sense if Joan Allen and Jeff Daniels were nominated for supporting like I could see nobody else getting nominated even though everyone is I think the cast is amazing but like I feel like that that their story and the journey that they go through it's like very Oscar so that's disappointing yeah, something was going this if this came out in 98 I have a feeling there were some other big stuff that came out and it could be also the time of year that it came out like it you know if you want it to be for oscars it has to come out during a certain time of the year usually it was a lot of huge movies yeah saving private ryan that's it how stella got her groove back no small soldiers which i mean is a kid's movie oh you mean box office wise yeah Yeah, the the this is one through six in the box office the week that it was released okay the X-Files, Titanic, and Deep Impact. Right, because we have to remember that Titanic was still on that long-lasting voyage where it mm-hmm. did not leave the theaters. It, oh my it really, god, that it, was it amazing. Did not. And then when it got nominated for Oscars, it just kept going. It, it's, mm-hmm. it, you know, things that are unheard of nowadays, Titanic was pulling numbers. Little Raj thought that the film, he gave it a four out of four calling it one of the best and most original films of the year it was very original mm-hmm. and now like seeing the barbie movie this summer it, it's given the vibes that's what i exactly what i thought when i was watching i was like oh this these could be sister movies like yeah it was 100 in the vibes you like i think greta did put out a list of movies that were her inspiration for doing Barbie. I don't believe Pleasantville was on there. I think she had Truman Show, but all in the same vein. I actually feel this is more more like, you know, adjacent to Barbie than Truman Show, but yeah. Like, yeah. When, who am yeah, I to tell Greta sure. she picked the wrong movie for her <laughs> inspiration? <laughs> uh <laughs> Let's talk about casting really quick. So could you imagine anybody else besides Reese Witherspoon playing the role of Jennifer slash Mary Mary Sue? No, she had the perfect amount of like sass, but heart and like rebel. Like it, it was just, it was a perfect combination. I don't think I can think of anyone else that could have pulled that off just the way Reese did. 
what you she's what just about so, you, Leah? she's so believable as both like her her journey is very believable to me because mm-hmm. she never at the beginning like she never comes off as stupid I think you can kind of tell that she's like choosing to be the yeah. way that she is it's not like she's lost so then when she starts discovering more I also completely believe her as that like the collegiate young girl that wants to read as many books as she can and do like the Rory Gilmore thing whereas like comparatively like I would like Alexis Bledel for instance like I Mm -hmm. I would most like really only buy her as that I wouldn't really buy her as the the beginning part of the movie you know what I mean and that's just an example I'm not trying to like diss her but (laughs) you know what I mean no but it's true like not a lot of actors can do both I think to be a mean girl like and do it right not everyone can do it Rachel McAdams can do it yep Reese Witherspoon definitely can do it I I miss Reese like she's been challenging herself more I think in some of her newer projects where she kind of plays like a she's white ladying the the hell out of white lady roles when she's (laughs) um, playing some of those things now Um, but I miss old school Reese like uh, that movie with Kiefer Sutherland where freeway they so good. love freeway <laughs> be crazy or the one <laughs> with paul rudd the delivery oh, movie object of overnight my... delivery no, no. yes that overnight one. delivery yes yeah. like i miss that reese because baby yes. girl was in her bag for real for real my fave is election yes yeah perfect movie like a perfect movie and she played that not not everyone could do that role no yeah so even though this role on paper might seem not as complex she she adds layers to the character I think yes absolutely so I say this with the fact that she wasn't the first choice and actually Melissa Joan Hart was offered the role and turned down the part yeah girl what a mistake Melissa you know I could see her doing it not at the same level as Reese, obviously, but I could see her doing it. She dabbled with playing like a little bit of a bad girl in the TV movies, trying to like kind of shake things up a little bit. So I think it's there, but it just, they, Reese was, I think, better, better suited for Oh my God. Yes. I can't. Like, I totally now, like, I see what they were going for. Like, I'm, like, picturing it, and I I totally get it. But, but no. And I can't believe she, that must kill her. Like, because she's never (laughs) had, like, a really critically acclaimed movie, you know? So. No. Even the one with MC Hammer. No. (laughs) (laughs) And Rachel Lee Cook was also, also auditioned. Yeah. For the role of Jennifer. Again, I just. Mm -mm. No. No, uh, no, I, I, that one I I can't see as much, but yeah, no, Reese was the the perfect fit for that. I think it's also cool because I her and Toby are child actors, and they had been in the business so so long. And Toby eventually he after this movie later down the line he did Sea Biscuit with the same director of this movie, so um that well, that movie is also visually appealing as well. Mm-hmm. there's so many people that have like cameos in this movie it was crazy I was trying to like 
keep an eye out. There's some people I, I already knew, but I didn't know Jenna Fisher from The Office. What She had like a featured extra. So now I want to go back and see where she was. She actually talks about this on The Office Ladies podcast. I was trying to look for her, but I, I'm not good with faces anyway. And then like <laughs> you have the layers of some faces are in black and white and some faces are in color and things are distracting. And I was like, I can't find her. <laughs> I, I also spotted Maggie Lawson and that was confusing to me because I always, for me, she looks a little similar to, what's the other girl's name? The girl that plays the love interest for Marley Shelton, uh, Marley Shelton like mm-hmm. s- just a s- smidge. So I was like, wait, oh, that's right. And I also was trying to place her and I was like, psych, that because I love that show. <laughs> <laughs> And unfortunately, J.T. Walsh, the guy who played Big Bob, he died before the movie came out. So they dedicated the movie to him. I think they also dedicated it to the director's mom who passed away before the movie was able to come out. And I I, I can't remember if it was can, camera person or some, oh, some part, yes. a, a teamster who was killed in a car accident. Girl, yes, it was messy. The death of camera operator Brent Hirschman, who fell asleep driving home after a 19-hour workday on the set of the film. It resulted in a wrongful death suit, and they claimed that New Line Cinema and New Line Productions and Juno Picks were responsible for the death as a result of the lengthy work hours imposed on the set in response of his death. So the crew members launched a petition for... For him, which would limit workdays in a maximum of 14 hours. The petition was ultimately unsuccessful. That's and crazy. it's funny that we're talking about a movie from 1998 and we are now in 2023 and we're dealing with a strike currently. And they're talking about workers' rights. The it's same crazy. issues that are yeah. happening then are still happening now. We see so many accidents happen with people leaving set because they're on set for so long and they only have a short amount of time and they're exhausted. Um, and we're still not getting anywhere with that, which is just insanity. Like, I don't get it. Crazy. <sighs> wow. Well, RIP. That's so sad. I mean, yeah. I've, I've worked like a 24 hour day before and I get it. Like I totally get it because there are some, you know, people that feel like, well, we're making art if we interrupt it now and go home and sleep and come back in, you know, 12 hours, it's not going to be the same. So I get it, but that is just so it's, it's hard. Cause like they are liable, but they aren't, you know, like it's, it's a real, that's a really difficult one. I mean, there's, I think there's a lot of contingencies. Like I think that, they say that it's art, but I think it's money in the in the long run because there there could be all sorts of things that they could put in place to make sure that they have the safety of their staff. They could have drivers that so they're not driving. They could have locations closer so people can rest. You know, there's all sorts of things that they can do and they don't do them at or, all. Or they could have different teams, like f- especially for the team students, like camera operators and stuff where they're working shorter shifts and just swapping out so that they have enough time off to to rest and yeah get back it, to yeah set. it's just there's so many stories from these people on sets who are if I, I just think the studios and the people with 
the the bankrolls are not really giving a shit unfortunately so well, and they take the advantage is, of things too yeah and back then though he was probably getting paid like a lot better than they're getting paid today like mm-hmm. studios don't pay anything now like back in back in the 90s oh my god the bank that you could make like even if you just did a commercial for two days you could be like yeah. set for months and it's it's crazy now like they do the bare minimum right yep. and, th- and that's because they can and because they kind of it's like they knew the what was going to happen with streaming to an extent and they took advantage of the fact that there were technicalities like for example Netflix is not considered a quote-unquote studio it's considered a tech company so they get around with these you know little holes that they can get away with stuff and it's just really effed up unfortunately so yeah I mean I've been really you know I totally support the strike as an actor but I I wanted everybody to be paid before but now that it's holding up the NSYNC reunion now I'm really now I'm really ready to fight (laughs) this is not okay people what they are worth (laughs) just the fact that they're asking for like two percent of the of like their annual income are you kidding me like like I get that their income is huge so two percent is a huge amount of money but I run a business like I run my own business and if my employees came to me and they were like we really feel like we're working hard. And if, if you just take 2% out of your salary and we divide it between us, I would be like, of course, <laughs> like that's yeah. nothing, you know? I honestly think at this point, it's it's not even the money. It's, it's control and power. Mm-hmm. So it's unfortunate, but, and I think we're going to see this across the board, not in just this industry. I think a lot of people think from the outside that this is silly and art is important. It feeds our souls as just regular bystanders when we need a break from how hard the world is and they deserve to get paid as well as every other person doing labor in this country. It doesn't make sense that there's all these people doing absolutely nothing, making a shit ton of money, and we are scraping to live. It's in, mm-hmm. it's insanity. Mm-hmm. So rise up, people. Rise up. Rise up. Yes. <laughs> fight the power. <laughs> All so right, let's Jackie. get into Pleasantville. So the, uh, the opening of the movie is, it looks like someone flipping through channels. They land on a Pleasantville marathon. And so we get a little insight into what Pleasantville is. And it's a very leave it to, uh, to Beaver-esque type show nuclear family son and daughter mom stays home and cooks dad comes home at 6 p.m and like expects dinner on the table so we get a little bit of insight and then then we get introduced to our main protagonist toby mcguire who plays david like i just wanted to say his name i wanted jennifer to say his name in alexis's voice the whole time (laughs) (laughs) because she would complain about him just like alexis but it was a whole thing in my brain (laughs) i i think it's cool because i know this is trying to be a time capsule of the like 50s but the beginning of this movie is very much a time capsule of the 90s like you see them like pouring the soda and you see the school you see the clothes everything and you're just like oh my god (laughs) I felt slapped in the face by the 90s all over again. Even the shirts that David's wearing, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, all of our guy friends wore that in high school. Like, 
those really awful puke green colors with the stripes yep Mm -hmm. the old navy (sighs) colored special (laughs) just like oh god (laughs) so and Reese's hair sorry oh my gosh her hair is amazing at the beginning and her room yeah I love like bedrooms first like I've always been more of a performer I've always been more of like an actor but I always say like if I could be a set decorator I would you would not be able to control me like I would <laughs> love that I, I it's so good so I we, also was very excited ahead. because when we do meet Jennifer and she's with her friends we see Giovanni Rabisi's his sister Marissa plays one of her friends Marissa and Rabisi it, is it Marissa and is that Jenny from that band also child actress crap I'll think of it later but also Jason Bear from Roswell is one of the guy friends and you know a bitch almost fell out because I was like what (laughs) Ariana what are you doing here I was very excited so we do see David he's trying to ask a girl out does not go according to plan he's kind of timid gets rejected psycho psycho talking to himself (laughs) <laughs> she's so far from him right? <laughs> and then like danielle said we're introduced to jennifer played by reese witherspoon and she's one of like the bad girls they're sitting there smoking she invites this guy over because her mom's not going to be home to watch it was an mtv a concert on mtv yeah and they so never say who they didn't her other friend is Jenny Lewis. I, I knew okay. I recognized her face, but she looked so different. But yes, love me some Jenny Lewis. <laughs> so now Jennifer has a date with the hot bad guy. But he was really cute, but he, he looked was. a lot older. He looked like 30. Yeah. But David has a date with the Pleasantville marathon (laughs) that's on at the same time. And David is a connoisseur of Pleasantville. He knows all the trivia. He knows all the things about Pleasantville and they're having a trivia contest where you can win a thousand dollars. So which a thousand dollars back then is a, a lot of money. It is. I'm just like, this is so random that they're having this contest, but okay. <laughs> and I do love that David does have at least one friend that plays into his delusions. Um, yeah. It's the guy from Detroit Rock, Detroit City. Rock City. Yeah. I was like, hey, I know that chin. <laughs> <laughs> so, But I yeah. feel like even he is starting to get like fatigued. He's like, yeah. we have to talk about this all day. <laughs> it's like, I don't know if I could do this, man. Yeah, David's real into his Pleasantville. But we see like when he gets home, why he probably is like that. Him and Jennifer are children of divorce. Mm -hmm. So Jennifer went the wild child route to kind of Mm -hmm. cope with her issues. And David has decided to full on disassociate from life and watch TV. And we kind of see that when he gets home because you could hear his mom arguing with his dad who, mm-hmm. you know, about her being able to leave for the weekend and him and his responsibilities of taking the kids. So even though they're grown at this point, I feel like they could stay home yeah. by themselves. Well, maybe not Reese. She need eyeballs on her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> David 
will be in the same spot that you left him still watching the Pleasantville Marathon. Facts. Just order him a pizza and some soda and we're good. <laughs> I was such a David, by the way. Like, I would love to pretend that I had dates, but that did that was not the case. Like, I was totally home being like, how can you say that I'm a Monica when I'm obviously a Phoebe? Like, you know, like that was me. So I totally love him. Like, I relate to that character so hard. <laughs> Yeah, Christine wasn't letting me go on no dates. That was like pure fiction. <laughs> Danielle had to sneak me in at night. Yeah, I did. She was my <laughs> secret lover. 7-Eleven. Yeah, we would go to 7-Eleven, buy snacks, and go to Blockbuster and rent like the weirdest like CD movies. Like just the most bizarre, which we've done a lot of on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and probably people are like, I've never heard of this movie, but we're like, let's yeah. do Pecker. <laughs> yeah, Pecker, Welcome to the Dollhouse. Like all yeah. of those movies were our shtick back then. Love Welcome to the Dollhouse. I Pecker, <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to check that one out. It's a yes, John it's... Waters movie, so it's <laughs> buckle it's... up. It's a ride. Uh-huh. Good. <laughs> Good. But it is very quotable. <laughs> it is. Are you tired of waiting for sparks to fly on your dating app? Do you dream of running through airports to deliver an out-of-breath, unplanned monologue? Then stop doom-scrolling and start listening to Meet Cute Rom-Coms. Feel-good love stories that take you from chance encounter to grand romantic gesture in just 15 minutes. We're bringing rom-coms back. Get a brand new Meet Cute series on the first Tuesday of every month with new episodes twice a week. Fall in love with Meet Cute Rom-Coms wherever you find your podcasts. Is this where we kiss? Now we see Jennifer's getting ready for her date. She got the double ponytail going on. Uh, yeah. She bought her fancy underwears. <laughs> I do like that her friend, whoever she's talking to, whenever she's having these phone calls, she's very sassy and hilarious and how she's kind of like eye rolling about when she talked to the guy and all that stuff. But then she's like, my outfit's not slutty. And <laughs> I look at, when I look at that outfit, I don't think it's slutty either. Mm-hmm. She was completely covered. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when she said it's not slutty, I'm like, it it's not slutty. And I love when she, I love how she's like describing the conversation totally differently than it happened. Like they barely right. said any words, but she was like, he was like, so do you want to go out with me? And I was like, okay, sure. Come over. And I know he's so smart. Like, it's just, it was, she was so good in that scene. <laughs> Cause I was like, did we watch the same thing? Cause that's not what happens. <laughs> But that is so a teenage girl thing to do, 100%. And I I just also think it's weird that the two of them did not communicate that they each of them needed the TV. They're both planning very big, very different big nights. Well, Mm -hmm. and uh, my question is, why couldn't he go upstairs? Right. Obviously, there's a phone upstairs for his trivia. Like, (laughs) does he need to watch Pleasantville in stereo? and like it just seemed weird yeah i feel like it would have made more sense if there wasn't two tvs yeah like yeah if they established busted or something yeah or i can't find the remote something where i don't know Um, i I have a lot of questions i'm not gonna lie maybe both of you guys will be able to answer some of these questions but i would say about now is when i started getting questions Ken had a lot of questions as well. Let's see if your questions and his questions are the same questions. 
<laughs> so David turns on Pleasantville, but then sorry. Jennifer comes downstairs and she's like, what are you doing? I have a hot date. You need to GTFO. And he's like, I have a hot date too, Pleasantville. And so <laughs> they both pick up the remote. They're fighting over it. And <laughs> it like dramatically flies out of their hand, hits the wall and like busts into a million pieces. And the way Ken dramatically gasped when it <laughs> happened he was like oh no and I was like who are you a cartoon character but first of all I have thrown or dropped my remote quite a few times and never seen it break mm -hmm. like that that mm -hmm. was a little much no only the battery back comes off but the rest yeah. of it is indestructible yeah especially the old school ones yeah so yeah did so you notice the tv was zenith oh like no. that brand must have died because i remember that like we had a zenith tv at some point and so when i saw that that was like a really big flashback for me because i don't <laughs> think they exist anymore yeah, i don't I know but i in a hot minute <laughs> I, I haven't either but they used to be very like i think quality mm -hmm. tvs because my grandma had like a list of brands that she would buy tvs from and we had an old school Zenith one and it lasted for a long time. I have to go back and look now. So of course, after they break the remote control, there's a somebody at the door and it's just creepy ass TV repairman. How do you let a random ass man, stranger danger into you your house? You didn't ask questions. Didn't ask any questions. Did and not call anybody. Yeah, like the remote breaks and there's a ding dong at the door. Like <laughs> immediately. How do you know, sir? What kind of witchcraft do you have? And also like, what was he going to do if David didn't answer the questions? Like I saw that he was about to give him a different remote control. Like what was going to happen? What happens to those people that don't answer right? I want right? to know. I don't know. Yes. I also want to know what was Repairman's Endgame? Because yes. it didn't go according to his plan. Right. What did he need? What did he what did he want? I don't so know. I, th I think it's like Freaky Friday. It's like you are fighting with your family member and you need to learn to like appreciate each other and love each other so you're going to go into this other world where everybody's nice and everybody just gets along but they don't explain that at all like that's something you definitely have to infer after <laughs> you watch it <laughs> that makes sense I, and yeah. if there was just a throwaway line like I'll talk to the two of you when you start getting along like yes. right, that's all we needed or something like it would have been either that or he deliberately brought them there to like break it's up so the monotony bad. and change things. But it just didn't make sense because he was mad that they changed things, but also didn't want them to. I'm I, That's question number two. <laughs> How many Keeping questions dry. are there? Danielle? There's a lot. There's a lot of questions. Yeah, there um, are plot holes in this, but it's one of those things where I just kind of like when that when the questions start to come out in my mind I'm, I just kind of like push them out and I'm like it's fine <laughs> I mean yeah 100% yeah like it's, yeah, it's just like movie. I know there's plot holes but I don't care so 
David pushes the big red button and then they're sucked into the TV. And so now they are in Pleasantville and they are Bud and Mary Sue. Mary Sue. Yeah. Which is interesting because like on a play on words about like Mary Sue in like comic books and fan fiction, like a Mary Sue is like a character that kind of answers all the questions for no reason or is just like the problem solver for a plot hole. So it's very interesting that that's her character's name and that mm-hmm. how she like evolves into, you know, be leaning evolving. into her, her intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. Evolving Pleasantville. So now we're in Jennifer is pissed. She's like, why am I here? What are we do- doing? We don't belong here. The repairman comes on the TV and he's like, you piss me off. I'm going to need a week or two to, to calm myself. I'll be back. And so Bud has this obsession with like checking the TV all the time. Like he, the Betty, the mom comes in at one point. She's like, are you watching TV at 8 a.m.? He's like, yeah, what of it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> trying to look for this dude. <laughs> It it is like super weird that he just kind of leaves them there. Yeah. Cause again, what's the end goal? He didn't explain anything. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they figure it out. It's very interesting that Bud does have not Bud, David has kind of the answers to things. Mm-hmm. Like he's telling Jennifer, look, you gotta play along. He knows all the episodes, so he kind of knows what the rhythm is and what and he doesn't want to mess up their universe. He just knows mm-hmm. that things will be messed up if she kind of skews from what is the script, essentially. Yeah. And Jennifer's not about that life. And she wants to get the fuck out. But of course, rolling no. with my homies, Paul Rudd, Paul, Rudd, Paul um, Walker. Walker rolls by. And I have to say, Paul Walker has always been a very handsome man. But him in black and white, there's something. Oh my god, there's something to it. Oh, it's he. It's fantastic. It is a sight to behold. Yeah, <laughs> he he would make me want to live in an oppressive universe for a little while. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yes, I. <laughs> my friend and I were like obsessed with him growing up, and he is so good in this movie. He, I don't think people give him credit. For being like a great actor he's more known as being you know a hot guy in like action movies or whatever fast and the furious but he's really good in this like i love how he plays this like dumb sheltered idiot it's just so good and then when he starts to like realize things more and more and when he starts to kind of like get a little confused by what she says like all of his faces are so good yeah i think paul walker very much leaned into his Hold himbo status. Second. Some actors want to go and do different things, but he was like, this is my shtick and I'm okay with it. Yeah. I'm, totally, I'm totally fine to lean into my himbo status. And he does a really good job at it. I don't think in real life he was dumb or anything like that, but he just played that well and did a really good job. He did it in a lot of different movies and I'm okay with that. Keanu Reeves does the same thing. Mm-hmm. I again, we've talked about this before where I feel like they they come from the same tree. <laughs> come yep. from the same cloth kind of thing. And nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with it. So, 
Yes. Paul Walker plays Skip Martin and he's talking to Bud slash David during basketball practice and no one is missing a free throw shot. And so David's like, this is suspicious. So he like (laughs) just kicks the ball and it like perfectly goes in to the net and he's like, okay, shit's weird here, but it's, it's their universe. And so Skip comes up to him and asks him about Mary Sue, Mary Sue, asking her out and giving her his pin and Bud hesitates for a second. And that throws the whole universe off. That's like the butterfly effect that (laughs) starts tumbling all those dominoes. So Skip goes to throw, make a free throw again and he misses. And everyone's just like, I love how the coach just kind of, like, don't touch the ball. Like, the, it's the ball that's the problem. <laughs> yeah. But also in this scene, this is um, Mark, the actor Mark Lucas is in here. And he plays Riley from, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So <laughs> I spotted that. But he used to be a basketball player. So he there's a few movies, I think. I think this is in his only movie where he plays a basketball player because of those skills. So that's kind of cool. Oh, and speaking of Buffy, I noticed Danny Strong has a really small role in this, which yeah. I never noticed before. He was so young and so cute. Yeah, I and the guy from Camp on Salute Your Shorts, mm-hmm. the blonde guy that oh. before he left and then the, another guy came. I can't remember his name. I kept watching the movie trying to figure out where the hell I've seen this guy before. And I was like, that's where I've seen him. So yeah, there's a million cameos or like, I don't want to say cameos, but there's a ton of people in this movie that like, if you watch it enough, you'll be, you'll, you'll spot a few 90 stars. Yeah. So it's a lot of fun to watch for that as well. So in the next scene, David meets up with Jennifer in the, in the hall and he's like, Skip's going to ask you out. You have to say yes, because like, shit's already going sideways and she's like i don't know what the hell's up with this place there's no word like the books are blank and he's like what are you doing in a library she was like never mind ignore that she said she got lost i love that that reaction isn't that the books are empty but what are you doing in a library and then she shows him how nothing will burn and she's literally trying to burn like a <laughs> handkerchief and nothing will burn. She's like, that's why the firefighters are just rescuing cats. Like they don't even know what fire is. So she's trying to, she's starting to put pieces together. How do they cook if there's no, I mean, I guess fire exists, but you can't extinguish it. That, that was another question. <laughs> just Sorry. Heat. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm like, I'm sure it rains in sitcom sitcoms. Like it's not always sunny. Like that was. A I don't know. I I used to watch Leave It to Beaver growing up. I don't remember an episode where it was raining. No, not like a Cat in a Hat situation where they have to entertain <laughs> themselves inside. Nothing. Well, yeah, I think like if it did rain in one of those shows, that was the topic of the episode because yeah. it was raining. If they were gonna spend money on the rain, they probably had to make it a whole. <laughs> thing but the the thing about the rain that the question that I had is like how do they even know about rain if there's right. no books like they haven't read about rain they haven't have they seen rain yeah so in some other capacity 
it's weird because my thought process was that it's almost like they're aware of these things, mm-hmm. but not necessarily experiencing it. It's almost, almost like, like a download in their head. Like they know what it is, but don't. I yeah, don't know. it's like the colors where they were like, it was red and not like red, but like actually red. Like they knew the concept of red, but like not the physical color of red. Right. And like if people aren't having sex, but there's all these people who are alive, like they, they have kids. <laughs> right. My other question was, okay, Pleasantville is a show that was actually made. So aren't these people like the actors? That's when no. I started really thinking no. too much. In in so I think like it's like a parallel universe. So in gotcha. our universe, they are actors, but in the parallel universe, they're just they're real and they're just there and nobody's born and nobody dies. They're all just kind of there. Like I don't I don't think that they age either. Like I think mm-hmm. that they're all just whatever age they are forever in right. the show and they don't think of it. They're just cycling think- through the episodes over and over again. So they get through all the episodes and then it just starts all over again and nobody yeah. questions it. Got yeah. It. Just like how Bill's like, I've just been doing it forever. Like like <laughs> I make the burgers. And it's yeah, the counters. <laughs> yeah. Poor Bill. <laughs> uh, we'll meet Bill in a moment. So, but David does caution Jennifer that she has to play along or she's going to alter their entire existence. So at first she agrees. She puts on the, the most conular bra I have ever seen. <laughs> let me, let me tell you ladies a quick story. Oh, tell so, us. My Nana, my dear, dear Nana, was not prepared to have a grandchild with big bosoms. Didn't know what to do with it. So I, the times that she would take me bra shopping, she would take me to like these the particular stores. Bra? You have no idea. <laughs> I've been in some conelicious concoctions <laughs> oh, where wow. literally like pointy boob situations sitting up high and pretty with the material i don't even ladies i can't even tell you what that material is called okay paper maybe i don't know (laughs) and then to adjust adjust the straps the straps were just flying flying loose you just you you, you're pulling them you're moving it up it was it was a a whole thing and i thought this was normal I thought this was a normal thing. I should be wearing these pointy triangle bra old lady things until I finally found real bras that like, because I had big bosoms didn't mean that I had to have paper on as a bra, but my (laughs) grandma, she brought me back then. So when I see this whole situation, I had PTSD. Okay. There was a trauma response to (laughs) to this bra. (laughs) Because it's a whole thing, and especially, and my grandma to this day still wears those things. She wears those whole things. She wears the, the the garter things, the the stuff to stuff you all in every day. Really, every Nina, day. You were in your eighties. Wow. Let it let it loose. No, no one cares. oh no, can't do Put that. Sweatpants. <laughs> Don't wear a bra. It's all right. Don't now you're talking crazy, Jackie. Don't tell Nana that. 
So continuing on, because David is helping Jennifer prepare for her date, he is late to his job at the soda shop and he walks in and poor Bill is just wiping the counter and he's like, I didn't know what to do because you get here and you fill the napkins and after you fill the napkins, I do this and I've just been wiping this counter and there's like the the finish has worn off the counter because he's been standing there wiping it so long and it it feels like I don't know if you guys have had this experience with your parents now that they're starting to get older but it 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 gave that feeling like you're so used to your parents like being adults and just figuring stuff out but now they're getting used to you kind of like doing stuff for them and so then it's like I didn't know how to tie this shoe. So I waited for you to get home and do it for me. Kind of like, what the fuck, man? But that's what happens now. And if this hasn't happened to you yet, buckle up. No, it has. My dad is is on the older side. So yeah, it's so weird how when you, you're growing up, you feel like they know everything. And then you're suddenly like, dad, you can't do that. What are you like? What are you doing? You know? Yeah, mom, please do not give your bank account information to the virus that's on the computer I told you to stop using. Thank you. Appreciate you. Parents. (laughs) (laughs) So David tells Bill, like, you don't have to wait for me. Like, you can do your stuff. And when I get here, I'll do my stuff. It'll be okay. So Bill's like, okay, got it. I don't have to wait for you to fill the Bill napkins. doesn't got it, though. No. That's well, the problem. He just needs a reminder or two. Eventually he gets it. And um, so then it's really busy. And the really interesting thing I noticed, which was such a good touch, and it was just really well done, is like David walks in and the the three girls that are like Jennifer's friends. Mm-hmm are all ordering at the same time, but it's in a way where like, obviously he can't understand what they're saying. They're all talking over one another, but it's like what back background actors do to look like they're talking. And so <laughs> it's like, Oh, because they're background actors, like it, it's not important what they say. And it oh. happens a couple of times in the movie where you're like, Oh, because like, they're not the main stars, so they're just talking their gibberish, so it looks like they're talking in the background of the scene. I did not notice that. Did you notice that too, Leah? Yeah, it's like, like they're programmed. Yes. That's really cool. I, now, now I gotta go rewatch the movie to see because <laughs> I totally missed that. There's so, a lot in this movie that, that you get upon multiple viewings. Yeah. And so now Jennifer and Skip walk in, they sit at a table, everyone just, the only thing the soda shop serves is cherry Cokes and cheeseburgers. And so I was, uh, I was disappointed. I didn't see a milkshake scene. Is that weird? Like, (laughs) I just, I really wanted them to be (laughs) sipping out of a milkshake together. Yes. One milkshake, two straws. Yeah. I just, I really needed that. But that's okay. I do like a old school cherry coke, like a real cherry coke oh. with grenadine. Classic, yeah. yes. So David goes to put in the order, and <laughs> poor Bill again, Mister Johnson. I think that's what he called. Yeah, him. he's like, we don't have any hamburgers, 
and, and David's like, what do you mean? We don't have any hamburgers. This is literally the only thing we make. He's like, well, usually you put the lettuce on. And then I, then I put the bun on. And you weren't here to put the lettuce on. So I don't know what to do. And again, David has to reiterate, like, you don't, you can do that. You can, if I'm not here, put the lettuce on, put the bun on. Let's get the shit rolling. So Bill's <laughs> like, okay, got it, got it. Understood. And while all this is happening, David is distracted because his sister has now decided Jennifer is going to go take the innocence. Well, she goes through like the whole date talking to Skip and it, it just absolutely bored. I yeah. do love the next scene where she goes to the bathroom and mm-hmm. there is no toilets in the bathroom. <laughs> and this is why don't des- they have file movements? <laughs> <laughs> but this is this is actually by design. So when she goes to use the bathroom, there are no toilets because in the early days of television, toilets were not allowed to be shown in scripted shows, according to the FCC. Wedge. Oh, wild. that's right. Wasn't the first one in a movie on in Psycho? Like, yes. Hitchcock had to fight for them to let them show. He wanted to show a toilet flushing. Yes. Which oh. he did. I did not know that. That's, That's so funny. I never got that reference. See, <laughs> I I would have never gotten that either. I just thought it was funny. So after she, you know, leaves the bathroom, they she sneaks out while David's not paying attention to go to. They go to Lovers Lane. Well, she um, hears about Lovers Lane from the three background girls that are in the bathroom, and right. so she's like, "Oh, there's a Lovers Lane. Okay, let's let's go, Skip." <laughs> And she gives Skip the night of his damn life. That's for sure. Really does. Really I'm surprised really does. he doesn't turn colors after their. Ten like had... I'm always interested about like what turn what makes the things turn colors for different people. You know. Mm-hmm. Ken had that question as well, and I think it was because. Because he was part of the book burning and stuff later. Like he still was very regimented in the Pleasantville experience. Yeah. Even though he had this one other experience, but it was almost like a novelty to him. It wasn't something that he was internalizing of like, oh, this is something I've been missing my whole life. It's not something he was repressing either. Exactly. Repression is a huge thing. So... I yeah, love when I think... she's like, you can pin me anytime you want. <laughs> <laughs> and then when he's like sitting there, he's like, something's happening. And he's like, I'm ill. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, so good in that scene. So good. So I the do... next... Go ahead. I do love how like back then relationships are very clear cut like you knew where you were in the stages of relationships yep. there was no situationships going on we're pinned we go together that means you can't be sleeping with nobody else everybody in these streets know you're mine i'm yours kind of yeah. situation next boyfriend i have i'm pinning his ass do it <laughs> i literally wrote making out boner might be ill leah do you want to take the next part i don't i don't know do you have that in the notes i don't know if i can go off the top of my head oh no i don't sorry no worries so what what is the next scene after that it's they're back at home and bill shows up 
Oh yeah, because oh in. the oh 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 right yeah. And is that is that when David is like he like runs out of the restaurant looking for her because he knows what she's gonna do. So he yeah. like he tries to find her, and then Bill shows up at the house, and we see him look at what's the mom Betty. Betty. Yeah, yeah. They clearly have some type of connection that's been boiling under the surface that neither of them wants to acknowledge but once they start to open up the world then they start to acknowledge it yes it's like I I always wondered if on the show they ever really interacted with each other it was almost like they saw each other for the first time it was very animalistic almost I Uh, loved the quiet moments of this movie where like mm-hmm. there was no dialogue but there was a lot happening on screen that was nonverbal. yeah and this was one of those moments where you're just like and that is a testament to the acting of these two actors where they can just you can feel the vibe with them yeah. not even with a glance even because bill shows up to tell david I did it all myself. You weren't there to help me close. And I closed. And he didn't even do it in order. He didn't even do it in order. But he's so enamored at this point looking at Mm -hmm. Betty that even David is like, hey, that's all, right? Like, (laughs) do you need something? Yep. So we do see, like, the dad is not curious at all Mm -mm. about anything. But the mom very much, Betty is very curious from the get-go of all the changes that are happening. She's asking questions. At one point, she does ask Mary Sue slash Jennifer what sex is. Mm -hmm. So I love that scene. It's so good. When (laughs) the bathroom scene. When she sees color. Yeah. (laughs) Like, and what's great about that scene. So after Mary Sue explains what, to to betty what sex is and an orgasm and all that good stuff she then goes to the bath to take a bath and start to pleasure herself and you could see it like building up but you also see like slowly but surely certain things start to change actual colors like the Mm -hmm. bath towel behind her turns pink and it's just really cool the way that that it's happening while she's climaxing. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Better than an herbal essence commercial, I say. <laughs> <laughs> and yes. I do really love that in that conversation, like Jennifer explains what sex is and like Betty says, oh, your father will never go for that. And that's when she's like, well, there are other ways. Right. You can experience that. So that scene is the conversation between Jennifer and Betty is great. And then the actual bathroom scene is just fantastic. What were you going to say, Leah? I love how she, like, again, what you're saying about the quiet moments, like I love how Joan Allen does it, like how she's taking it in and everything. And when Jennifer says to her, like, are you okay? And she's like, yes. And you can see it on her face that she's like, okay, so I definitely have to do this thing that she's yeah. describing. Like, I definitely <laughs> want to do that. But like, how am I going to do it? Because, you know, like my husband won't do it. So what am I supposed to do? And I just wonder what was like in her mind 
before then? Like, why was she so curious about like sex and romance? Right. Like, is it is it because she had seen what's the Jeff Daniels character? Bill. Bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bill. Yeah. And she felt something, but she had no idea what it was because she's just programmed to like be with her husband. Yeah. And there was no like consideration of, oh, I might have feelings for somebody. It's just so interesting to me. And also like, who taught Jennifer like how to masturbate in the bathtub? <laughs> you know, what are they supposed to be? Like, I, I she, like, what are they like 17? And right. I'm like, did her mother teach her? Like, like, I get obviously a 17 year old is going to know like how to explain sex to somebody, but to, to be like, okay, mom, here's, here's what you're going to do to right. like have an orgasm in the bathtub. That's like so intense and in, so interesting to me. In the nineties, we were living by magazines. And mm-hmm. when I tell you, and we got hands on Cosmo, Cosmo was quite descriptive. Yeah. yeah. You're right. Um, that is, you're right. And I was like, oh, so this is how I'm living? Okay, interesting. But I think what also I love the most about Betty is that Betty's awakening is so strong mm-hmm. because she repressed so much. Yeah. That when she orgasms, she sets a tree on fire. Oof. And like so much stuff turns into color when she like, her manifestation powers are very, very She's strong. powerful. Yes. yes. And when that fire starts, nobody had ever seen a fire, didn't know what to do with it. And so David is like freaking out, having to go get the firefighters. They're not responding. He has to scream yeah. cats for them to get, the, <laughs> get there. And he's, and they don't know what to do with the hoses to, to, they've never seen a fire. They're literally like, oh, that's what that's for? <laughs> like y'all are firefighters (laughs) and what was toby's cardio like for this movie because he was running an awful lot (laughs) he really was It, it was a lot also like he he gets like a medal for or like acknowledgement for the fire whole thing but before that even happens when he goes back to school Skip has now told everybody of his mm-hmm. awakening. So the whole basketball team is completely like out <laughs> of it. They're ready to go. Yeah. They lose a game, which <laughs> has never happened. I also like one thing that I did notice was that in the town, the teenagers are the first ones really to adopt the curiosity, which makes sense because when you're young, you're curious, you want to try things out. And then you start seeing some of the other towns people, but a lot of the older white men in the town do not like you do not see them changing at mm-hmm. all, really, which I think could be a really good. This whole movie could be a great move, um, uh, metaphor for the patriotism, patriotism, the patriarchy, which they're the ones who benefit from mm-hmm. the towns kind of staying the way that it is, you know, because they stay within power their women do what they want them to do, make their food, all that stuff. And that they can't hold on to power when everybody's like learning and exploring and being curious. And I, you could see that they're the ones who start to like freak out the most, the dad, the whole household is turning colors except for the dad. Um, Cause he is fine with everything has worked for him. There's no yeah. reason to question. There's no reason to be curious. He this gets whole- all his needs met. Right. 
he goes to work, he comes home, he gets fed, he goes to bed. Like his world is set. Whereas like Betty is subservient to him. She's doing all of the cooking and the cleaning and the raising children. Like she has all of these responsibilities and all he has to do and not Mm -hmm. saying that going to work is not nothing, but if that's your only responsibility, yeah, you're going to have carefree days. (laughs) (laughs) I just think I didn't realize how relevant this movie was going to be when we rewatched it to what is actually happening right now in our existence. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The director, Gary Ross, was talking about the movie and he he stated that this movie is about the fact that personal repression gives rise to larger political oppression and that when we're afraid of certain things in ourselves or we're afraid of change, we project those fears onto other things and a lot of very ugly social situations can develop. And, And I definitely felt that in this movie. There are a lot of allegories that you could take away from from Pleasantville and people changing to color versus the one that are the ones that are staying black and white. Cause they're kind of uh, right. I mean, and to me, that was like a really big, hello, this is talking about race, which was interesting because obviously going into this movie, I knew there wasn't going to be a diversity situation going on yeah. because of where this was set, which made sense. And I probably can go on for days about, how so much of America loves to go back to when they think of the good old days. And when I say America, I mean white America. Mm-hmm. They look at the 50s as being this time that they want to tap back into. Even though when you think about that time period is 1958, this is when some of the most like discourse was happening, so much violence was happening, so so much change was happening. But at the same time, in a lot of people's minds, they think it's like this perfect cookie cutter time. And they're able to kind of look at it from a Pleasantville lens, which is this. This is time. Well, it was this simple is... for you because you were privileged to live that type of life. Where you didn't have to be faced with it, really. Right. So I just I think that's very interesting and how it plays out in this movie as well. And there's also other like movie themes in here, like To Kill a Mockingbird Mm -hmm. comes up in here, which I was excited because that used to be like one of my favorite books that we'd have to read in school. Some people say Shawshank Redemption, the rain scene, but the director said he didn't intend for that one. Um, What was the other one? There's another Bradbury. Say that again. Is it is it Ray Bradbury? Me, Fahrenheit. Me. What is that? What is that? I can't. Fahrenheit twenty two nine eleven. I keep hearing, I keep hearing Fahrenheit nine eleven, but that's not what it is. Okay. It's that's the documentary. I'm talking about the 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 classic book by Ray Bradbury. It's like Fahrenheit something where they burn all the books, which is basically yes. like what they are trying to do. Like when they close the library, the library in Lovers Lane is closed when they have the they come up with their own like laws. I guess. Yes. Fahrenheit yeah. four fifty one. 450. Yes, that's the number. (laughs) (laughs) It very, when they start making up those rules, I'm like, this feels very Professor Umbridge. 
yes like, educational mm-hmm. decree <laughs> it's, it's like it's, we're not gonna we don't like something we're just gonna make a rule about it so you can't do it anymore it's giving fascism a hundred percent absolutely so you know david he's rewarded then marley shelton's character now takes an interest interest in him which is now he knows things are very off course because she's margaret is not supposed to bake these cookies she bakes oatmeal cookies for him it's supposed to be for another character but i do like that (laughs) i do like that he is very stringent and, and just like upset with his sister but like when it's his time to shine all of a sudden it's okay for Mm -hmm. him to date margaret he does argue with her a little bit like no these cookies are for whitey and then she's like finally she's like no i bake these cookies for you he's like okay (laughs) you bake these cookies for me we're going steady now margaret (laughs) and whitey's played by the actor david tom and for me growing up david tom was on he was on a soap opera person for me he was on two of my soap operas but when he wasn't on soap operas and on other shows like Veronica Mars he was always this like frat boy douchebag asshole and I'm like is this in his bones why does he keep getting cast with this because he (laughs) he ends up playing that kind of role in this movie um which sucks (laughs) yeah yeah it's not great (laughs) not great at all so i mean we see david kind of exploring his feelings with margaret and and you see her evolution of she starts to change colors and stuff like that as she starts to see some stuff but we also going back to jennifer we see we see that she's kind of bored with kind of just the rebellion kind of thing Mm -hmm. and she starts reading and we find out the books start actually having words in it once she you know people ask her questions about the books or she remembers some of it huckleberry finn is one of the books she's like i didn't get past that whole there on the river thing so david has to like fill in the gaps which is kind of cool and and i really like this scene because it's you can see it's the kids that are in color and they're just or well there's some black and white kids still in the in the soda shop but they're just so thirsty for knowledge yeah they're just like tell us everything like where are you from and he's like well the roads don't go in a circle and they're like tell us everything they're just so curious like how did you know how to put out a fire and he's like well i'm not from here like he's trying to keep it vague as possible but they're just like tell us more we we want to know everything that's beyond Mm -hmm. Pleasantville and so then they start asking him to tell them about Catcher in the Rye so that the pages fill in on that because they want to read that one and so it's just you can see that that analogy of like people want to learn and want to learn things that are bigger than their bubble I just think if it was dependent on me to fill the libraries, libraries all the classics, indeed. I'd be like, mm, but let me tell you about Christopher Pike and the last vampire series, <laughs> because your girl <laughs> was all about it. Okay. Those would be the classics in my library. I don't know <laughs> nothing about No Catcher or Rye, but I can tell you about Nancy Drew, book number three, <laughs> Bitches in the Attic and She Finds the Killer. Okay. 
Yeah, I I love that scene. I think it totally takes me back to like being a child and not like kind of filling in the blanks with things that you hear about from adults, but you don't really know. And just their the wonder that they have over this story, Huckleberry Finn, that everybody knows. And they're like so fascinated by it. Mm-hmm. Like it's amazing. Like it just totally reminds me of when you're Mike fell. <laughs> when you're like talking to a child and you show them something that they've never seen before and they're just like wow it's just so beautiful and my favorite scene in the whole movie that always makes me cry is when he brings bill the art book and that acting from jeff daniels is just so beautiful his everything is on his face and that's that's my favorite type of acting like as an actor i've always been a stronger like actor on film i think than theater because i really love that like close up like everything is on the person's face you don't have to say anything and you know he just kind of lets out like a few words because he's taking in this beautiful art and these classics that all of us like we grow up seeing them all the time and it it yeah we still think it's beautiful but it's not like every time we see something like that we we're that emotional and he's just like it's like his whole life he's had this itch inside of him he's had this thing that's been like art <laughs> like art yeah. art like <laughs> like like you're a painter you know what I mean and he, yeah. he can't really get there and then all of a sudden he sees this book and he's just like so awestruck and mm. the music is like I cry every time because that's how I feel about about art too for me it's more like movies and music but I can't even imagine if like I never saw that or heard that and then yeah. somebody showed like it's just so 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 powerful to me I love that when he does start to realize that there's so much more that he can do, he pulls out that album and shows David like, hey, I started thinking about like how I look forward to this one thing, which is that I get to paint the window during Christmas Mm -hmm. every year. And that's all I'm really looking forward to. And it clicks to him that why do I have to keep waiting till Christmas to have this feeling to do this thing, right? And I think that's what encourages David to go get the art book to show him like what all there could be out there and how he like lights up and just leans into it. But can we talk about, so what that is happening, his journey is happening there and Betty is having a whole other journey because now she is like, she can't control the color at this Mm -hmm. point. She is full color and there is a point where she's in the kitchen crying because she can't, she doesn't know what to do um, because her husband is calling her and that guy, what's his name? Big Ted. Big Ted is there. And she's like scared of being found out that she is fully in color. Cause I don't think any of the adults really had been there yet. Oh, Big and Bob. Sorry. Big Bob is there. <laughs> and that's when David like helps her with the makeup. And this scene is really cool because the whole movie is shot in color originally, but they do go back later and change it. And everyone thinks that the makeup that he is putting on her is actually gray makeup, but it's actually green makeup so that they can do the green screen, which I was amazed to learn that. So she puts the makeup on, but then at one point she is in full color now. And she's also just like, I'm not going back. You know, yeah. I'm not going back into this repression. I'm not ashamed. Uh, I'm not going to this meeting because the men now decide that they need to have a meeting to get all of this under control. And so she tells her husband, you know what? Fuck this. I'm 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 out. She mm-hmm. packs her back because I think 
she ends up spending the night with Bill. Bill. Because not he, like sleeping with him, but like he she sees about his paintings and stuff like that and they get to know each other. Well, yeah, and in that scene, she he's showing her the art book and he's like, Oh, this lady's like this painting, the woman's sleeping. And she's like, no, she's crying. And then she starts to cry, which wipes off some of her makeup. And he, instead of him having the reaction she she felt like her husband was going to have, he embraced it and was like, no, this is beautiful. And like cleans the makeup off and sees her for her instead of what he expects her to be. And so I just, but my question is this. I love that these two are finding love and they're finding each other and they're exploring, but Bill- did did you have to put my mama's naked ass on the damn? <laughs> that was shop? bold. Like, that was bold. Even if it wasn't Pleasantville, that's like, I mean, that's another man's wife, and you're just like <laughs> nips and all. That's my mama out there, Bill. Why and mama she, on Front Street? And Betty yeah. wasn't mad about it. It's like this is no. Lot. She was like, she was letting it all hang out at that point. Yeah. She didn't care. She, she didn't even leave her husband like full like he's confused. no she didn't like, even tell him like yeah. she didn't tell him shit she didn't tell him like oh i fell in love with bill no she was just, just like, like i i made going. you <laughs> i made you a few dishes figure that shit out peace out homie for the streets now okay and i do think that they slept together because there's like a quick with the lightning flashes it's them making out i thought oh. so they, they slept together as well yeah there was no question about it her Tetons, everything was out. There's no way. <laughs> he saw them in real time and painted <laughs> them like one of his French women. I was like, wow, this yeah. is a, this is a lot. And I was surprised the dad wasn't more angry. He was just angry that, like, hey, I have this routine and it's not it's not working. I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> starving. <laughs> I'm hungry and my wife who cooks for me is not around and the other place that I can go eat is banging my wife like can we get some help from the daddy here <laughs> he, Honestly, he went to the bowling everything, alley sorry yeah he did go to the bowling alley and they were like I, I there are so many lines in this movie that are like unintentionally unintentionally funny where you know when big ted is like thank god we're in the bowling alley <laughs> like, we're safe here but yeah, I feel like all things considered, the dad handled everything pretty well. Like he was, he was more just like lost and confused. He wasn't like violent, like right. Big Ted gets where he's like, that's not going to happen. We're going to rule the town. He's more just like, what? Like, what do I do? Right. <laughs> like, um, I thought I was in charge, but obviously I can't feed myself. I don't know where my children or my <laughs> wife is. Like, Right. His kids are out in the street too. Every, his whole house should be called we for those streets that's their last name now (laughs) because nobody is home well actually mary sue slash jennifer is home you see that she is Mm -hmm. like reading she puts on her glasses she is evolving and changing so yeah it's a lot going on but now we're just at this precipice of like trying to put the genie back in the bottle the Mm -hmm. the men have decided they want to repress get us back to repression and now the people who are in color have been ostracized and randomly beaten up on the streets 
Betty's being harassed by yeah. Chip Diller. That's how I know. <laughs> Whitey. Whitey is Whitey is coming after like you start you get like a hint of the aggression slowly when mm-hmm. David is walking with Margaret and you before the meeting and Whitey's like why aren't you at the meeting because at this point David is still in black and white so he still can pass essentially mm-hmm. to both sides. And so you could tell David feels a little bit of that aggression and kind of stands 10 toes down and like, bitch, you better leave me alone kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But Margaret, he does, Whitey does attack Margaret at one point, I believe. And then, but he, I, mm-hmm. I don't know if he's chasing her, but he also attacks David's mom, Betty. And David's like, you gonna catch these hands because she may not be my real mom, but she's still my mom. You know, yes, her tits are out on the, the street, <laughs> but that gives me no right to touch, no consent. Yeah. And so he punches Whitey and makes Whitey bleed his own blood and it's in color. And then that's when Betty hands David her compact mirror and he sees that he's finally in color. So it's where can I buy that compact, guys? Oh, it's gorgeous. It's so beautiful. Yeah, I I love the reasons why the twins change you know he needed to find that confidence that's the first scene that we you know see of him it's not being able to talk to that girl and he just has no like he just has no self-esteem and it's through all of these connections that he's making with people that he that aren't even real you know until they are and that confidence is what makes him change and then for her it's the knowledge and it's exploring something different than whatever her life was like before, which seemed to be a little bit more shallow and just like all about boys and having fun and stuff. And then once she finds the knowledge and she's discovering all of these stories, she's like that, you know, she's like that, that got old at the end, you Mm -hmm. know, she's, she just completely finds herself in a, in a completely different way. And I just think it's so beautiful how they, they're like parallel on their journeys, but they are on two totally different journeys as well. Yeah. I I think going back to the the bowling alley prior to them forming this like or like having this town meeting where they're establishing these new rules there are a couple of like quotes that the guy says and they were just like oh so he talks about how we need to maintain the values that make this place great it it just v- sounded very very <laughs> similar to certain talking points today where i'm just like oh gosh pleasantville was talking about this stuff happening like <laughs> in 98 and we're still having uh people with these mindsets today so that was um something that i noted and then once we get to that like committee meeting where they're creating the rules and like some of the rules are there's specific music that you can listen to. And one of them is, is it the Star Spangled Banner? Yeah. So no, like, um, is it? Yeah, I think so. And yeah, Harry Como. The, yeah. That's one of the few songs they can play is the Star Spangled Banner. Yeah. And so like it, it even weaves that patriotism in there. Yeah. Of like specific music we can listen to. Lover's Lane and the library are closed. No umbrellas, 
or any sort of protective gear from the rain. Well, they said that you cannot like try to get ready for any kind of weather Mm -hmm. event. So I think that is an allegory for climate control Mm -hmm. or just acknowledging that we're having climate issues. Mm -hmm. So because at the beginning of the movie, I forgot to mention this. Um, David's sitting in all of his classes and they're talking about uh, climate change. They're talking about, what were the other classes? Is, is HIV, climate change, the ozone, well, they, the ozone layer was- Was it like the housing change. market or something? Oh, it was the jobs. Oh, it was like that you were going to be able to get a job in, in 30, like only 30% of jobs will be available. And it's just- if you think about it as millennials, that's how we grew up, you Mm -hmm. know, like we learned about all of these things that were going to be bad when we got older and boy, were they not wrong? No, (laughs) every single one of those classes, I'm like, those teachers were right, man. (laughs) Except when we talk about how, like some, I saw TikTok about this, like I really thought I was going to be lured into drugs way more than I was. Like I really... people on corners, just like, hey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable, like, the state of the world today and what they said in this movie. Yeah. It's so... I mean, I can't even believe, like, I'm totally guilty. I'm one of those people that will, like, doom scroll on Twitter and stuff. And I cannot believe, like, the stuff that people actually are saying, like, the, Mm -hmm. you know, the traditional American values and all the banned, like, there's so many, like, preschool kids books that are banned, Mm -hmm. you know, because they show, like, some people have a mom and a dad. Some people have two moms. Some people have two dads. It's like, that's not allowed. It's like, even though this is something that you're living with in the world. Like I understand that there are people that, that are against that, which is, is sad, but they're even against like letting kids know this exists. Like they can (laughs) show their kids that and then tell them if they so feel that that is not what they would like their kids to do, but they won't, they don't even want their kids to have any idea that that even happens. Like Mm -hmm. it's so this movie, like it's so scary. I'm like, why is this so like prophetic and I mean, I don't know. And I don't know if anyone else has felt this way, but I I definitely, I kind of feel like Betty's journey kind of like mirrors maybe what, I mean, I'm not LGBTQ plus, so I can't really speak on that. But to me, it kind of like, I feel like she, today, if this movie was made, she would have been like gay. Like it would have been yeah. like, she felt that way about a woman, you know? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, really I, just discovering herself for the first yeah. time. And just I, being herself and someone seeing her and being like, it's okay that you're this way. Like, I yeah. I love you, you know? And so, so many, so many different, like, I mean, we could pick apart this movie because it's so good at, there's so much more under the surface. Mm-hmm. I mean, it does feel in your face about it, mm-hmm. but also like very deep in some ways, deeper than maybe even the director writer envisioned for it to be so on the no- on the nose about things, which makes me go back to the Barbie movie. So now they kind of almost hold a rally with that meeting. They did say someone complained that the that Roy Campbell's got a blue front door, and he goes, "It's always been blue." Yeah, <laughs> and then so Ken, good. Whis- Ken whispered, 
you have a blue door. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> we do. We're Roy Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it they're really har- harping on like, we need to separate the things that are pleasant from the things that are unpleasant. And that's how they get the the list of educational degrees. I do like the scene where all of the people in color have now been pushed to the malt shop or Mm -hmm. Mr. Johnson's place, which has been also absolutely damaged because they have, the townspeople have ruined it, but they're all kind of hiding there. And now they have the rules and David is reading the rules to everyone and at one point, Danny Strong's character goes and plugs in the jukebox and music starts playing. And the way that Maggie Lawson's character freaks out with just pure fear, like, you can't do that now. Like, it it, it felt so real to me because I so many people react to that. Like, you know, you either when these kind of things, when you're kind of pushed into trying to be repressed, oppressed, some people will just say, okay, and cower to it because they're fearful. And other people like David will say, no, we need to fight this. Mm-hmm. And so him and Mr. Johnson decide to like make another mural that kind of shows all the nastiness that happened the night that they kind of burnt the books and stuff like that. But also yeah. other things that have been happening in the town. And while this is happening as well, we do, well, we do see that Mary Sue slash Jennifer has to fight Skip because he is burning all the books and she's like fighting for the the last book the, that she's the book that she's actually read all the way through, which I think is what ends up turning her into color, right? Because is that what it is? I what think she- she's colorized at this point. I think it was when she rejected him. He wants to go and like go to Lover's Lane and Bone. And she's uh, like, no, I'm going to stay in and read. Then that's when she turns to color because she's finally doing something for herself. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She um, wakes up the next morning and sees the portrait of her. Yeah. That's, yes. That's right. But I yeah. love her line too when she's like, that is the only book I've ever read and I'm not going to let you burn it. <laughs> <laughs> and she kicks him right in the balls. So like all of them have are meeting at Mr. Johnson's and decided that like, you know what? David's like this is not how it needs to be like Mm -hmm. so after they do the mural the whole town sees it and they're freaking the fuck out so well because one of the rules of conduct is that you can't paint with colors other than black white and gray right so they're trying to repress Mm -hmm. everything they also have specifications for the bed sizes because right because at the store, there's a like a full mattress instead of two tw- side twin beds. Yeah. Which the I Love Lucy show is the show that I believe changed that mm-hmm. on television where they had one bed. They were actually in the bed together, which, yeah. you know, oh, my Lucy. girl Lucy. And then uh, the other rule of conduct that I noted was the curriculum for school age children has to have a non-changist viewpoint. I'm like, oh, dear Lord, all of those curriculum rules that are popping up all over. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. too close to home. So, yeah, but it will. And it's like they painted all night and then just fell asleep, propped up. Which also, (laughs) like, I felt like was also could be viewed as two men kind of like being Mm. on each other, which was 
maybe that was his way of kind of sneaking something like that in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I also feel like the the list of laws, they don't outright say that they don't want the colored people but they say like you can't paint with those colors so it's like kind of a subtle way of saying like well we don't like these colors you know and then there's like the right and then there's like the more there's some businesses that are more intense about it where they're literally putting the sign Mm -hmm. you know that says no colors and I mean I remember seeing that as a kid and I was like oh that's what this is about (laughs) yeah I was like got it got it okay (laughs) even when they go to trial when you Mm -hmm. see that everybody the town is in the courthouse all the the people of color are at the top and everybody else are at the bottom which is what actually happened in segregation where black old you know black people were at the top and you can actually see that when you watch the movie A Time to Kill. All the Black people are at the at the top watching and all the white people are at the bottom. So that was an interesting thing that they added to. Yeah, definitely. And what an incredible scene that is. That also always makes me cry when, when William H. Macy, the dad, when he changes color. Because, right. Because his son is explaining like, basically explaining the feelings that he's feeling and he can't express them himself and it takes like a younger person with an open mind to explain like what you're feeling is okay like you know it's not it's not just that she cooks for you and cleans for you right there's something else there she doesn't just serve a purpose she's just not just like a function for you right like there's something else there and then he cries and like feels it and that's when he changes it's mm-hmm. so beautiful and his moment changes other people watching because yes. probably they're feeling the same thing, especially the women. And it's interesting that the only thing that really gets to, is it Bob? No. What's his uh, name? Yeah. Big, big, big Bob. Bob. Yeah. Big Bob. Dale, whatever. Big Bob. Oh my God. I was calling him Big Ted because you called him Big Ted. <laughs> yeah. is, I don't know what his name is. <laughs> Why do we keep struggling? He's big, big something. It's yeah. Big Bob. It's okay. funny that for Big Bob, the thing that he's been repressing is literal anger. And mm-hmm. David is able to get him there by saying, you don't want these people here. You don't want these people to do these things. And he finally freaks out. And that's when he changes color. So it's just interesting to see what changes every everybody. But after that, like after Big Bob blows his casket, the entire town is in color now yeah. which is great and so, yeah like now david has realized he's served his purpose he has changed their world for the better they have all of this knowledge now so he's ready to go home <laughs> <laughs> jennifer decides to stay because she's gotten into college in pleasantville world I'm so confused by this because this is, I think, one of my biggest questions. You guys are twins. You live at home. Your mom is going to be like, where the fuck is Jennifer? Like, this is not like, oh, she's in the TV. She'll be back. Like, I don't know if it's because time maybe moves slowly in Pleasantville. So her being gone for this long period of time might not even seem like she's really gone. I don't know. I question that. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Like, I think that 
he would be able to tell the mom like, oh, she's out on a date because that was right. like, how long was that that they were there? It seemed like weeks. Yeah. So, but it was only like a second in their world. So maybe like she'll spend a few months there or whatever, or maybe she'll even like go through all four years of college or something. And then, yeah. and it'll only be like a week there. And then she can come back and like get into a good school in her, her real life because she's mm-hmm. already done it. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're probably right. Cause I was just like, wait a minute, the math's not math in here, but yeah. okay, Jennifer, you go to school. Well, if you think of it in terms of like an uh, everything everywhere all at once thing, it's like technically she should be in both realities mm-hmm. because everything is happening at once and every reality exists at the same time. Right. So it would have made like more sense if there's if there's like the Pleasantville her and then like the normal her. Yeah. But they didn't do that. So I think that they're trying to go for the like, you know, three years there is five seconds here. <laughs> yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, 100%. And so then David, when he does go home, Don not sends him home. And he sees his mom, his mom actually is back from her trip, she didn't go. And we didn't say who his mom was played by Jane Krasinski. Yes. I think no, Jane Krasinski is is from 30 Rock. Blonde, blonde hair lady. You're right. But she this this woman's Malcolm in the middle. Yes. Jane Kaczmarek, yeah. Yes. Thank you. I'm like trying to read these IMDb things. And the mom is just kind of like really sad that her life isn't where it's supposed to be and she's not doing the things that she needs should be doing. And David is actually kind of just saying like there are no rules. There's no way that you should be doing this. Mm -hmm. You're not behind or anything like that. You're not old. So he's kind of giving his mom some wisdom, some of the things that he learned. And I think things that were holding him back from really truly living Mm -hmm. for himself, why he was having so much fear, almost like he wasn't deserving of certain things. So that was a really nice moment that he could have with his mom. When she said, I'm 40, I was like, (laughs) oh, she got two teenagers in high school. That got uh, deep track. Why does 40 back then seem so different? Like they look so old too. What is that? I don't know. I know. Every time I think about because I feel like this meme shows up all the time where they they say like the actual ages that the golden girls were supposed yeah. to be. And then they compare it to like, this is what J Lo looks like, and this is what Jennifer <laughs> Aniston looks like. And it's like, oh my God, just a different world. And then how like with the styling and everything like teenagers from the eighties look like 30 to me, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? So it's just, it's weird. Like it's all relative, I guess. I think also we, we have a better understanding about the sun and protecting our skin back in the day, like our grandparents. And when I say ours, I mean, your grandparents <laughs> were really out there bacon yeah. in yeah. the sun <laughs> And I think that had a lot to do with how people were aging. So, and just like the hairstyles and everything, I'm like, oh, yeah. And smoking. There's just yeah. like all these other things happening that I think contributed to that. Meanwhile, um, when I go to the beach, I'm like covered from head to toe <laughs> and like carrying an umbrella with me. So uh, <laughs> now David is back in the real world and he is able to turn the TV off from the Pleasantville marathon marathon and go about his life. And that is Pleasantville. We did it y'all. We did it. Did it. And we do see 
Betty sitting on a bench with George. Oh, I love that. This moment is so good. Who's and George? <laughs> the the husband, the dad. Yeah. Oh, Lee Betty and George. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> I was thinking, you know, when you said Betty, I don't know. I thought of Mary Sue because I was like, oh. I thought she was on the steps with some boy from college. But you're right. This scene, yes, very good. So he, they kind of look at each other and they're like, what's going to happen now? And they're both kind of like, we don't, don't know. know. We'll find out. But then like, it's it, it cuts to Betty sitting on the bench. And then when it cuts back, it's the same exact conversation that she's having with Bill. So it's kind of like Betty is at this crossroads. Like, I thought wait. the three of them were sitting on the bench and that Betty was turning to the sides to talk like i thought this was the start of a thruple like they all gonna be together <laughs> i well, no, because he was... was on this he was on the same side that her husband had been mm-hmm. oh okay yeah i also like when i when i rewatched this i was like i'm gonna ask them what they think of that like are they yeah. are they trying to say that she did move on and like get divorced is that even a concept like can they even get divorced like I, I don't know. Like, what do you guys think they were? I full on thought this was the start of a thruple. Like, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not joking. I think this is what their life is like. Betty is with her booze. Okay. I I I thought it was more like she's at this crossroads and she's having this conversation with both the men in her life to kind of figure out which path she wants to take, and it's kind of left open-ended on purpose so that you could imagine what she does with the rest of her life I think in the 90s we were limited and we thought she had only one choice like either one of them mm-hmm. I think now thruple okay well I she, think she would be off going backpacking with her lesbian lover if this was oh that now. that's true true facts <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe she, like, is kind of transitioning, like, she's still taking care of her husband a little bit, like, she's still, she's, like, teaching him how to cook or something, but then she's going home to, to Bill at the diner and having fun all night. I like that. Because Bill seems open, right? Like, they both want to explore, they're more advanced in their journeys than, yeah, than, and you know what else is, like, a really subtle, like, one of my favorite moments in this movie with Bill is, how he he changes from doing like a cartoonish Christmas scene on the window to a, a an abstract Santa mm-hmm. and like no one says anything about it but they just like show it a few times and I was like is that Santa I was like that is so cool that he now <laughs> can do this like abstract like <laughs> within a day he's like he, he's like Picasso yes I love that oh speaking of Picasso when in that book the book is not a real book but in the book, they have Picasso, like they don't have a date for his death in it because it's supposed to take place in 1958. And I don't think oh, they when, found out. Yeah, he, he alive, died. Yeah. yeah. He died like 15 years after that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So Don Knotts wasn't the first choice for the repairman. The initial choice was Dick Van Dyke, but instead Knott's got the role and it would be his last live action film, which is sad, Don Knotts. But I don't, Dick Van Dyke is so jovial. I think Don Knotts was the perfect casting for this guy that's just kind of like, hey, what are you doing? Like, this (laughs) was more mischievous. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I mean, I would have been fine with either one because. They both represent that time period from in my brain, you know, 
So yeah. What was the show that Don Knotts was on originally with Opie? Black uh, and Andy White. Griffith's show. Yeah. That's when my boo Ron Howard was little. <laughs> <laughs> Took place in the 70s. <laughs> this was the first film that was a new feature film. Um, okay, sorry. This was the first film that a new feature film was created by scanning and digitizing recorded film footage for the purpose Ooh. of removing or manipulating colors. The black and white meets color would be, uh, world portrayed in the movie was filmed entirely in color in an all approximately 163,000 frames of 35 millimeter footage were scanned. In order to selectively desaturate and adjust contrast digitally, the scanning was done in Los Angeles by uh, Cinesite, mm -hmm. utilizing a spirit data sin for scanning at 2K resolution and a mega def color correction system from Pandora International. I understood a few words in there. That's really important <laughs> to someone. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever you are, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it is like beyond like the fact yeah. that it's not shot in digital. Like they they shot it on film and were able to do the color like that. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you put it into that perspective because I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, it's crazy because you could do that on your like phone now. And for yeah. them, it was such a difficult undertaking. Yeah, you're right. Because I think, like you said, they only did it with like maybe a few things, not like full scenes where half and half is happening or certain certain things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know what else I was, I was shocked by is that because this whole movie basically except for some of the beginning could could totally just be shot entirely on a studio so I was like okay they either did this at like Warner Brothers or Paramount mm -hmm. they built that town from scratch I think in Malibu so that's like amazing to me that they they created this town entirely they didn't use any of the sets that are already there in the studios which would have been so easy but instead they really wanted to like create their own world that looked like absolutely you know nothing else that you've seen except what they're trying to reference which is amazing like they didn't I can't believe they let them spend that money never like when I tell you <laughs> never today I mean unless it was like Harry Potter or something you know like right. never it's it's amazing there are some of the classic tv houses I thought they I thought it was on the ranch I, I think I thought certain scenes were blood but they had some of the classic houses tv houses in the neighborhood so if you if they, they built have, it maybe they just rebuilt them i don't know or maybe they just had insert shots where they like wanted to include these like classic houses from these mm -hmm. classic m movies but then the rest of the town was was built mm -hmm. so they had the kravitz's house from bewitched and gidget's house from gidget now when they say Gidget's house from gidget i'm assuming they mean the gidget tv show with sally field although there was about four or five Gidget movies. So I'm guessing it's a TV show. <laughs> Just But it's also the Murtaugh, ha Murtaugh house from Lethal Weapon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Can't forget that. Can't forget that. Um, uh, also put in here the car for you, Jackie. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Um, so Bud drives Margaret to Lover's Lane in a white 1952 Buick Roadmaster and the Etta James song at last is playing in the background, which was oh, one of my favorites. So beautiful. 
it, it really that scene was gorgeous before we get into the ratings rewind leah why don't you tell again everybody where they can find you on social Yes. Okay. So check out my podcast, the Ashley and Jessica cast, especially if you love Ashley, Jessica in sync, Lindsay Lohan, <laughs> and you can uh, follow me personally on social media at Capriya moon on Instagram and Twitter. And then definitely if you love pop culture, follow my, my podcast, Instagram though, which is Ashley and Jessica cast. Cause I'm obsessively chronically posting stuff on there. <laughs> I can vouch for that. Love all of her content. And if you want other 90s and 2000s content, don't forget to check us out at No More Late Fees on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, and Threads. Let's get into our ratings. I'll start with you, Leah. What is your present day rating after rewatching this movie? Oh, it's still a must buy for sure. I love it. I think it's so like, like I said, it doesn't blow my mind quite as much as when I was a kid, but that goes without saying I still think that it is I I think that that's why it's kind of perfect for all ages because it has that heavy-handed stuff that like a kid is gonna uh, see like the sign you know going up that says colors it's gonna be like oh I learned about this in school (laughs) like yeah I I see what they're doing okay but then as an adult you watch it and you notice like the 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 smaller moments and especially with like Betty trying to work through everything in her mind and kind of like figure out like what can I get away with? And like, what can I try? And okay, I want to hide, but I also don't want to hide. And you, her journey of just discovering herself. And, and when she finally, like, he, he's like, you're going to put dinner on this table. And she's like, no, that (laughs) is just, oh my God, the chills. Like, and especially now as an adult, just again, like what we were saying with everything going on in our country, it's like, it's, it's, it, I mean, I would say it, it, it was, you know, prophetic but it it wasn't because it was referencing the past yeah but but it also was prophetic I mean it's so it's prescient so I mean I still have to give it and even if the story wasn't as good like the cinematography like I could watch this movie on mute yeah and be very satisfied (laughs) (laughs) it is eye candy for sure Mm -hmm. I would still say I I would buy it again I was surprised I thought when I rewatched it because I remembered it, but I didn't remember it being like this. And mm-hmm. so it was really fun to rewatch it. And it, it it just felt like something that I could rewatch again. And I would rewatch again. So definitely mm-hmm. would buy it again. Jackie? I am also going would buy. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. And I think Y2K Jackie just didn't have the appreciation for the themes of the the movie and like you said it's just beautiful to watch so yeah nice and i love the cover at the end of the beatles across the universe the fiona apple that is such a beautiful cover when i when the movie came out i think that was one of the things that actually attracted me to watch the movie in the first place was that i was obsessed with the song so i was obsessed with growing up my mom played the beatles a lot and so i knew it was a cover but just at also at the time for us growing up, Fiona Apple was everything. And even the video for this movie, this music video for this movie was really, really beautiful. So if you haven't seen the music video for this, you guys should, anybody listening should definitely go watch it because it's, it's really cool. 
Yeah, an amazing score. Beautiful, beautiful score. Absolutely. 100%. So if you have any comments, questions, just want to tell us about your day, hit us up at our quick drop 909-601-NMLF, 909-601-6653. You can also twat us at the Twitters, hem us at the threads, or leave a message on our Spotify for Podcasters account, and you can be featured on a future episode. Thank you guys so much for having me on. This was so fun. Oh, good. You you got me right before I said thank you. We're so (laughs) happy that you came. Yeah, We really appreciate like your insight and just how much information you had on this movie. And it was a fun rewatch. So we're glad that you were able to join us. Yay. (laughs) And as always, be kind and rewind.